the What The Folk Sunland preview show in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Sunland had apparently been away for six months when they returned for Saturday's 1-1 draw against Bristol Rovers, but in truth, it was almost like they had never been away at all, given the quality of performance. And our next opponents are a club that I actually tipped to win the league, and to chat about why I may be wrong, or chat about why I may be right, is Cy from Oxford's Fence End Pod. First and <laughs> foremost, how are you doing, Cy? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. You? Are you well? Yeah, getting by, you know, it was nice to have football back, but like, as I said in the intro, Sunderland, and I'm sure many Sunderland fans listening to this will tell you, it literally felt like we'd never been away because we were shite, um, for <laughs> want of a better word. But um, we actually spoke a little bit before the, the start of the season, before Saturday's game, and I think we both agreed that I think Oxford should be there or thereabouts. Like I said before, I've, I've kind of actually tipped you to win the league. I, I don't really know why, I just think probably it's going to be a team that maybe we... Some people would expect, but a team that would be there or thereabouts. Um, the mood is positive at Oxford. It seems very different to Sunderland. Um, but then you go into the season and you lose 2-0 at Lincoln. So how have the fans reacted to the result? Um, well, we kind of went from sort of 5-3 to three on Saturday. It was, you know, hashtag announced promotion. And then at quarter to five, it was relegation. You know, we're going down. If we don't get players... Typical football fans, you know, in that we go from one extreme to the other. But I, I, I think with a lot of clubs, we haven't finalised um, the squad yet. I think there's players to come in and out, and and, and it's it's way too early to say. But I, I think it was a it was perhaps a little wake up call that we can't just expect to go into teams like Lincoln, who we beat six one six nil last season, best yeah. away performance ever. We were exceptional that day, and to go there at the start of this season and they did a job on us so I, I think it's kind of just just sort of dampened the expectation a little bit which is no bad thing for, for everyone I think yeah no I suppose it's a it's a grounder a little bit because I think I think Sunderland had gone a little bit more positive than what it had been but that's probably due to the fact that you're away for so long now I, I probably bring up a sore point for both of us a team that begins with W and, and, and ends in E um, Wickham for those who haven't clicked mm. on what I'm on about <laughs> um, I obviously watched the playoff final I think Sunderland fans and probably Peter Fra- Peterborough fans more so have their own grievances with Wickham but um mm. I remember watching the game and I remember feeling a little bit like Oxford were far the better team. It was totally against the run of play. I watched the Portsmouth games, which gave me great joy because Sunderland and Portsmouth have had an awful lot of uh, tittle-tattle over the past few seasons. So to me, I thought you were the best side within the playoffs and I think you you know, you wanted the, the best side throughout the season. Is that where a lot of the positivity came from? The fact that you were excruciatingly unlucky against Wickham, if we're honest? Yeah, it, uh, that, that playoff final came down to a... To a- a couple of moments really the, the um you know the first goal we just it, it was a, a set piece that we just didn't deal with and then the second one was a long ball down the middle it looked like there potentially could have been a throw in just before that didn't happen ball down the middle and our center half who's been heading balls all season I guess gets a call and ducks out of it and it's it, it shows you how fine the margins are in any football match you know we all know that we can look back on on results and games and, and identify little moments but I think there, there seemed to be amongst the players a real determination to put things right um, Cameron Brannigan one of the players that we were perhaps thinking might might go on you know move on in the summer signed an extension on his contract and, and one of the things he said was you know I, I want to put right what we didn't do in the playoffs, we want to take it that one step further. So I think there's a there's a determination amongst the players to do that, um, and it, hopefully 
we, we will see that, you know, there'll, there'll be a, a, a real kind of effort to put things right that, that went wrong in the playoffs. Perhaps let's not go through the playoffs, let's get it done automatically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to the last season, obviously we played each other really early last season and we drew 1-1 as nine times out of ten we always seem to. Yeah. I think <laughs> four out of five games have been 1-1, a, a Jack Ross favourite scoreline. Um, if I remember correctly, I was relatively pleased we got Oxford first game of the season last season, um, thinking, right, that's a good game, it's a winnable game. And he came down and probably got a deserved point. Um, I know we went down later on in the season and, and got a 1-0 win, but I think Oxford ended up being, one, like I said before, one of the better sides in the league and probably unlucky not to go up. Um, going into last season, were you expectant of you to be that high up and that close to promotion? I, I think most fans were hoping for a playoff place. So it, and And... If you depends who you believe when it comes to budgets, but I think we kind of over over achieved where where budgets were were concerned. But I think there was perhaps a a hope or an expectation that that playoffs were where we should be aiming for. You know, it, there was he was backed in the transfer market. We brought players in. You know, we got some some decent loan players in, and I, I think. Yeah, it, 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 there was an expectation that we would do something that you know last season. Yeah, because I remember like it took it wasn't that long after that particular game you did start emerging as contenders and never never really fell out of it apart from that period when you lost obviously um, Fosu and and whatnot. But I think that was more about the injuries. I think from the outside looking in, it looked like you lost two players and that was it. But I think it was more along the lines of you had more injuries and that coincided with the players you were selling, wasn't it? Yeah, and we had a February, we played um, Saturday, Tuesday throughout February, nine games in 28 days in February, cup games, cup replays, all sorts of stuff. And and we we were kind of not, not straight, we did we did well to get through that that period and, and still be there or thereabouts. And then through um, through February and into March before the lockdown, we'd won five on the trot and we're looking like the form team. I know, you know, Peterborough were, were saying pretty much the same thing that if the season had gone on, they would be the, you know, they, they would, they were hoping for a, for a promotion, but yeah. you know, we'd won five on the trot. We were, I think a point behind um, Rotherham. We still had them to play at home, I think. So it was, there was a momentum growing. Um, and and you, you kind of think maybe if the season had gone on, it would have suited us because it the the kind of style of football we play is is quite intricate. You know, we want to try and play play decent football, and and that sometimes takes a while to gel. And, and we just looked in the playoff games, we never quite got to the high standards we were we were at before lockdown, and it, it it took us a while to get going. And that might be the same thing that's happening now with you know with the game at Lincoln. We might just take a little while to get back into the rhythm of, of the, t- the style of football we try and play. Before I move away from sort of last season, because obviously that's the, the... It feels like we've never really been away, but we've also been away ages. It's, it's kind of odd. <laughs> um, we sat and watched... We plugged in the laptop and watched the stream against Hull in the, the Carabao Cup and then obviously Bristol Rovers on on Saturday and, and I can't get used to it. I hate it. I can't stand mm. it. Like because I like throwing my arms about, I like hugging people and at the minute that's the one thing that the whole world can't do. But I spoke to a Hull fan and then obviously I'm speaking to an Oxford fan just now, but I think your situation's obviously slightly different to the way Hull was when you're watching the mm. stream. You've got a little bit more experience of watching big competitive meaningful games on a stream. Yeah. Straightforward question would be, what is it like getting to Wembley, not being able to go and watching it through the, the medium of the internet? 
yeah, it, it's it was tough. I I I was kind of I don't know whether you say lucky or unlucky. I, I'm involved with one of the fans groups at, at Oxford, and, and we we went up to Wembley and and set the flags out. Um, so we we kind of had that moment at Wembley, you know, but, but that also kind of reinforced how much we were going to miss it because you stood there putting the flags out and, and then having to go home and watch it on telly the next day. And it's, it's, it's a horrible feeling to, especially, I mean, you're right. There's a, there's a lot about football that you can't get the, the emotion watching it on a, on a screen. It just doesn't happen. Um, and, and especially a, a being at Wembley, you know, for, for a lot of fans, myself included, you know, I've been every time we've been at Wembley, I've been with milk cut back in the eighties and, and, and sort of conference playoffs, all of that sort of stuff. So to miss out on, on a trip to Wembley for, for us, it, it's been, it's been tough. And it, I, I don't know. I, 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 you can certainly get into games on the, on the telly as much because it's your team. I, I, I of course. you know, I watch, watch the big games, the Champions Leagues in England and stuff like that. And you kind of get into it, but I think even you can't get into it as much as being there, obviously. And it's 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 going to be tough. Although I see today they've they've announced there might be some small. I think they were looking at a thousand fans into games as from possibly this weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, like you say, I, I feel very privileged myself because I work with Middlesbrough women, which I think a lot of people know. Um, and we can have 30% of our crowd in because of the level that we're in, which is basically yeah. about 300 people maximum. But it still feels a bit weird because we have to tell people not to shout and we have to tell people to, to wear masks <laughs> and things like that. And it's a bit like, if you have to do that, is it taking the fun away from it? But it's just the way the world is, I guess. But it's, a, it's an interesting concept that I had a whole fun on. And I asked them what it was like to watch a team relegated on the TV over the course of seven games. So on the flip side, was it like to see a team win a penalty shootout, but then get to Wembley, not able to be there? It just, it just seems a bit odd. Um, but on to sort of this season, um, I could be wrong because Google often can be wrong, believe it or not. But it looked like you went with on Saturday a 4-3-3. So not a great deal of change from last year, but did the style of play formation look the same as last season or has Robinson tweaked a few things? No, it was pretty much um, as we were last season. You're right, that 4-3-3 with, with one up front, you know, and the, and the two wider players dropping back when they needed to. Um, we lost Rob Dickey. Um, the centre half and captain in the summer, he went to QPR. And one of the one of the sort of standout things that one of our fans had, had identified, I think, up until over the last sort of two or three seasons, the number of appearances for our centre halves hasn't dropped below a hundred. It's been usually up around about the three hundred league appearance mark. And on Saturday, Rob Atkinson was making his league debut for us, yeah. and and in in entirety, and Elliot Moore, who was the other centre half has played 15 games. So it's all of a sudden we've got quite an inexperienced centre-half pairing, um, which I think, you know, that that's going to take a while to bet in. But but the formation and the way we played, and to be fair, Rob Atkinson is quite similar in style to Rob Dickey, obviously not as experienced, but the way he tries to carry the ball out is quite similar. A lot of the players are the same as last season. And um, yeah, we, we pretty much played the same way. It just didn't quite work for us. With um, Atkinson, he got sent off on Saturday. We had um, Dobson sent off on Saturday, which mm. many people would be pleased about, unfortunately for him. Um, but he definitely misses Saturday because we haven't had a game in between. Now, we're speaking before, obviously, the, the EFL game that you have tonight, which is Tuesday. Yeah. Is he suspended for that game and not Saturday then? He's not suspended at all. They appealed the red card and it was overturned. Um, right. And a lot of fans looked at it and thought, well... I think it was a foul, definitely. 
Um, but it it looked like possibly a, a yellow card, certainly not a red card. It didn't look reckless as as has been proved by you know the fact it was overturned. Yeah. If he'd have received a second yellow, which nobody would have complained about, he would have been suspended because it had been a second yellow and a, and therefore a red. Weirdly, you know, it worked out well that he got the red, a straight red, which we've appealed, and now he can play. He's, I don't think he's going to play tonight necessarily, but he'll, he'll be available to play on Saturday. And you're right. I saw just the highlights of your guy against so very similar incidents. You know, they were they were kind of stretching for a ball, kind of from the side. It didn't look nasty. It was controlled. And yeah, I, we we've appealed red cards in the past and never got anywhere. So nobody was expecting anything from it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, I suppose you know, 2020 has been a weird year, so we're getting the the rubber the green with appealing red cards. Remember, we once uh, we once appealed Michael. Well, everyone will remember this. Uh, we once appealed Michael Turner's red card. It was never an elbow. And I remember was, this is ten years ago, and it was against Man City when we were in the Premier League. And Michael Turner didn't just get like it thrown out it was never a red card like it never ever ever it was total accidental hitting like the guy like nutted his elbow I think it was Gareth Barry um and we because we because we appealed it and they said no he definitely was a vicious elbow we got an extra game on top um <laughs> so yeah it would be but I don't think we appealed Dobson's red card which like I say I think a lot of Sunderland fans will be happy with I have a different opinion on that but I you know I better not say anything because I'll get in trouble as Jose would say um <laughs> Rob Dickey, you touched on. For me, looking through, I did League One preview show with um, with James from D3D4, obviously an Oxford fan as well, and, and he mm. spoke at length about Rob Dickey. <clears throat> um, probably one of the best centre-offs in the league, if not the best last year, and I don't think I'm over- overestimating him by saying that. And I hope there's no QPR fans listening. I'm not saying you're a small club. I'm not saying you're rubbish. I'm certainly not saying that. But I've got to imagine if you're selling your best player and he goes to QPR, it feels a little bit shite. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree. With you. The same thing, you know, we are where we are. We're a, you know we're a League One club, they're a Championship club. Fair same. enough. Yeah. But you're right that there, there seems to be a kind of he, he could have done better than that. He's a really talented footballer. Yeah. You know, he he's got something that a lot of centre halves don't. You know, carry the ball out, but you know. Um, we call him Virgil van Dickey. You know, he's, he's got that kind of similar, he's a big, powerful guy. He can carry the ball. He's, he's, he's a very, very good footballer. And you're right. No, no disrespect to QPR. You know, they'll probably look at yeah, us and say, you're a lot smaller than us. We're a problem. All of that. Yeah. You kind of felt he, there was, there was a, a real step up for him. You know, as it is, he's kind of gone one step and you kind of felt yeah. he had the ability to go, Lower Premier League, you know, somewhere like I don't know Burnley, that kind, that kind of level, you felt he would be very comfortable at. Because you had, and his name completely escapes me for some bizarre reason, that the lad from um, Portsmouth a couple of seasons ago, God, his name completely escapes me. Centre half played next to, to Burgess, and he went to, I think it was, um, he went to a Premier League club and then mm. went on loan to on loan to Derby, and I, I sort of seen Dicky, Matt Clark, that was it, Clark, yeah. it was Clark. Um, and he went obviously went to a Premiership side and then dropped down. I think it was to Derby for the the season. Mm. And I kind of saw Rob Dickey maybe doing that, maybe going to someone, I don't know, uh, someone similar to I don't know, Bournemouth, um, somewhere yeah. like that, even top end Championship, and maybe yeah. playing somewhere like that, or or going to the Premiership and going on loan. And again, it's like I can't say anything to QPR because they're a division above, and they have a manager that does like to play up from the back. Obviously, mm. Warburton was at Rangers and was an awful lot like that. But it did feel a bit like. Ah, QPR. 
And yeah. it was just a bit like, oh, right, okay. But for me, um, your best player and has been for numerous seasons, someone you touched on before was Cameron Brannigan. Obviously, he came through Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been huge for Oxford the past few years and someone who, to be honest with you, is probably a kind of player something they're missing. Um, someone in the middle that can actually dictate a game and, and do something. Um, he's just signed a new contract, but yeah. as we know, contracts don't mean that much these days. So how confident are you of keeping hold of him up until, well, October, I think it is, the transfer window ends now? Yeah, I, I, I think we will keep hold of him. It's a slightly similar situation, I suppose, with Rob Dickey. Maybe QPR were the only team that came in for him with mm. a genuine offer. So that's, that's you know, and, and with Brannigan, I, I don't think anyone's made a an offer for him. So, you know, he, and... He comes across as a, a you know a quite a thought. He's he's a young lad, but certainly having seen interviews with him um, and and kind of knowing the kind of guy he is, you know, he, he apparently sort of through the summer he spent it, most of it fishing. You know, he's not he's not off you know somewhere in Ibiza giving it large. He's he's quite a thoughtful guy. Um, and him, yeah, if he sticks around, I think his his intensity will rub off on players um and he he will be important for us you know he when we when he plays well we play well um and, he, and you know, i'm sure we'll touch on it later sort of in dangerous players and that kind of thing if if you can nullify him then we've we've got players around him this season um liam kelly who came in on loan last year and yeah. marcus mcgrain who we've got on loan from forest who started at arsenal went to barcelona and and has come back by a forest to us on loan who looks good so maybe those players will take a little bit of the of the pressure off Brannigan and he can play a little bit you know knowing that in the past perhaps he has been targeted because he really is the playmaker but with a couple of other players around him who can also play a bit he he might get a bit of space and 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 really thrive but he he will be important this season and touch wood we will you know he will stick around he 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 definitely said when he signed the new contract that that was something he wanted to put right. You know, he, he, he appreciated the fact we gave him first team football, gave him a chance and he wants to repay that. And it's, a, it's kind of admirable because he could well have, you know, I think Leeds were looking at him last season. So there's, there's definitely interest in him. He's a, he's a decent player. So I'm going to um, Rob Dickey. I think he went. You'll know this better than me, but it was about 1.3. I think that you got for him. Yeah, there's lots of. I've I've seen sort of two, maybe raising a two and a half. It, it, it's un, undisclosed. So undisclosed I think there's, always. Yeah, isn't it? there's, there's um, lots of figures flying around. But I, I, yeah, I think that kind of one and a half to two to two and a half with add-ons and stuff is about right. And it, it's funny with League One because obviously we, this is now our third year, so you look at who's coming in where and it's all free transfers here and there with the occasional big big move going elsewhere um last year i think a Sunderland fan mentioned that brannigan would have been a great player to bring in and estimated cost you know maybe five hundred thousand bid or something like that and i've seen loads of oxford fans kicking off royally at this and it made me think it's funny how much you you estimate your own players that because you watch them every week you know the value so if brannigan was to come in how much would uh, was to go sorry and someone was to come in for him how much would Oxford fans want from like realistically. I, I think what we want from him and being realistic aren't necessarily. Well, yes, you know, he, he signed a new contract, and and you kind of think, okay, as you know, goalkeepers don't go for as much as defenders, as much as midfielders, and Ivan Tony's gone for maybe six million. They're looking yeah. at that kind of thing. I think as you go further forward, players tend to get a bit more expensive. And, but I think that he's he's a young player. You know, he's twenty three, twenty four, that sort of age, getting towards his peak. And I think you'd you'd hope with the length of contract he's now signed, 
that if it was in this transfer window or, or maybe in January's transfer window, that, you know, a similar feat to Rod Dickey, you'd, you'd hope for that kind of, you know, getting towards a couple of million for him. But then football's in a weird, weird situation at the moment. And uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I think we've, we've got to temper what we expect to get for him. That A lot of clubs are, are struggling financially. So it's going to be a, a very different transfer window. The thing I quite like about Oxford, though, and, and you'll be able to kind of set me right on this, the, the big problem that Sunderland fans have found for a long, long time is recruitment. And I'm talking from the premiership days. I could go on and do probably an hour, two hour long podcast based on the mistakes that they were made in Sunderland's recruitment. And it hasn't really fixed, despite wherever we've been. You look at Oxford, um, across the side, you, you seem to pick up a lot of players either from a couple of divisions above, uh, academy players, Brannigan being one of them and then make them into players that can mould into a specific team. But it looks like Robinson or your recruitment team, whoever it is that brings players in, look at like characteristics and probably do that sort of statistical mm. thing. I think Dave Jones, um, obviously, who is part of Oxford as well, he's talked an awful lot about that as a non-executive uh, director, about bringing in players based on like statistic, uh, st- statistical analysis. <laughs> yeah. And we brought in um, a player called... Uh, or Bennett Jamali, I think is the pronunciation. And a lot of that was based on like stats and things like that, um, or, or so I'm led to believe. With the signings that Oxford bring in, does a lot of effort go into not so much like the name of the player you bring in and stuff like that, but the statistics you can get and, and kind of what they bring to the team and how much resale value they may have? Yeah, definitely. There was a, a BT program um, during last season, I think, called Miked Up or Unmiked or something like that, where they went and spent the day at Oxford's training ground chatting to Carl Robinson. And at one point, they they had um, like a whiteboard or a digital board up with they'd identified two or three players for every position, um, and it wasn't just a case of oh, we've seen him play well it'll do. They'd looked into absolutely everything about them, you know, statistics, pace, what they, you know, the distance they ran in a game, but they, they kind of looked deeper than that as well. And we're looking at, you know, were they married? What was their social media like? Did, you know, what, what were they like as, as people, you know, would they fit in with the group? And I think there's, there's a huge amount that goes into the, the, the recruitment, um, and you're right, we're, we're picking up, you know, we did it under Appleton um, and, and the previous chairman where we looked at people like Kemar Roof came to us, you know, when we were in League in League Two, um, oh. who's now gone on and done brilliantly and, and now at Rangers. John Lundstrom's another one who's playing yeah. for Sheffield United and doing well. George Boldock we had on loan, slightly different, but he we had him on loan and, and he's, you know, we identified him as a player that, that could do something. So there's, and uh, who else? Joe Rothwell um, has gone... Uh, Ryan Ledson has gone to championship clubs so we've kind of we've gone from a you know in the past picking up players towards the end of their careers or or non-leaguers and picking up now younger players with a point to prove and and I think that's a real sort of positive Brentford are doing it really well you know looking at not not the obvious targets they're picking up players from slightly odd places and 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 if they do well and you get promotion with them, great. But if, if you don't and they play well, they're going to go on and you're going to get money for them. It's, it's a trading model that's, that seems to be working. I find it, because um, Sunderland fans would much rather be like that. I mean, I don't speak for everyone, but the, the general feeling is that that's what we would prefer and we want to sign players. And there's been a couple of instances of that happening. I mean, um, 
in essence, it hasn't probably worked out, but George Dobson was one. He'd been at Arsenal, he'd been at West Ham, he'd been captain of Walsall, he was 21. That idea was he plays well, he comes in, and he's got some resale value. Mm-hmm. So far, that one hasn't really worked. Um, Arbanet Jamali looks like that might be more along the lines of what Dave Jones is talking about bringing in. But then on the flip side, um, a move that I actually backed, but we brought in Danny Graham, age of 35, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes... Someone said, you know, if he scores enough goals to get us up, it's been a good move. And yeah, I agree with that. But at the same time, what happens when he's in 36 months in the championship? Do we then have to spend big? And sometimes some of the recruitment can feel very short-sighted. Do you think that's the benefit of being a side like Oxford or, you know, a side like Brentford, where in the past, maybe your budget hasn't been that huge. So you've been forced to go down that route. And in the long run, it's benefiting you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, and, I, and perhaps, you know, with yourselves coming down from the Premier League and having recognisable names, whereas we've kind of, in, in a similar period of time, you know, we've been down in the conference and come up, you're not going to attract big, big names. You know, we, we're, we're signing, we've signed players in this sort of transfer window that you, you've kind of got to do a bit of research to know exactly who they are, you know, because they're not names that you, you'd immediately identify. Um, and... I guess, you know, we're in the same division, but Sunderland, obviously, a much bigger club, historically, fan base, you know, infrastructure, all of that sort of stuff. So perhaps there is that, and, and being in the Premier League so recently, there's perhaps an expectation that, you you, you know, you, you should be signing names rather than... But it doesn't always work, you know. It, it's, it's... I think you, you've, you've proved it over the last couple of seasons. I'm sure there, there's players you could reel off who, who came in you know as, as recognizable names just failed you know yeah. and, and I think there's at this level as well you, you there's it's it's not what you spend you know we'll perhaps talk about Wickham prove that you know much as I hate to say it and give them credit they they worked on a tiny budget but they showed that with a tight group of players and a way of playing that they all bought into with a manager whether you like him or hate him he, he comes across a bit of a you know, whatever <laughs> he, he he had them absolutely behind him. He, he got did. them playing for him, and it, it worked. And at this level, you can do it. I think they they'll perhaps struggle in the in the championship because the, the quality is a little bit higher. And I think they'll. I saw a stat they their their game on on uh, on Saturday was the lowest um, time that a ball was in play in championship history since they've been timing it, which, which is what they do. They don't play for very long. What they do is kind of go from set piece to set piece and put pressure on you and, and work hard. But when the ball's out of play, they're in no rush to get it back in play. So it, it, it's kind of high intensity when it's playing. But uh, I, yeah, you, you know, you will probably expect a style of play from Sunderland, same as Oxford. We, we wouldn't part with that. But at a smaller club, it's going to work for you. Yeah, it's funny with, with Wickham, it's like they went up, but I, I think. I mean, there was a few bad teams. I'd probably say Rochdale were the worst, but we we were like 4 nil up or something. I threw up against Wigan within about 20 minutes at home. They were they were terrible. And when their game plan went out the window, they were awful. But it, annoyingly, it worked like nine times out of 10 for them. And it was yeah. kind of their way of playing. And uh, pod and prog it as much as you want. And I know they've had, in my opinion, a bit of a leg up with what happened and stuff like that. But they still were like in there with a chance, which no one would have guessed with Wickham. I think mm. a lot of people guessed that they would sort of go down. In terms of sort of transfers and recruitment, I was looking through the players that you'd brought in and you mentioned a couple, obviously Marcus McGuane's 
a, a great signing from Forest. Um, mm. You've also brought in, of course, Liam Kelly, who you've got experience of and is highly rated. Sean Clares came in from, from Hearts. There's a few more as well, but what's your initial impressions of the new recruits? Which ones have stood out so far? Yeah, the, the, the ones you mentioned are kind of the ones that are expected to be in and around the first thing, a couple of others that were perhaps ones for the future. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think Liam Kelly is one that when he signed, I think a lot of players, uh, sorry, a lot of fans thought, well, maybe that's a sign that Brannigan's going to go out now because they're mm-hmm. kind of similar sorts of player physically and and they'll both dictate play. They'll pick the ball up from the centre-halves and play out. And it was a bit of a surprise when he signed and then Brannigan signed a contract extension. So they're, they're, they're quite similar players. But yeah, McGuane looks, looks like one who, who's, again, it's that kind of something to prove. He's stepped down to a level that's perhaps beneath him, but actually he needs to prove that it's beneath him by mm-hmm. performing. Um, getting um, uh, oh uh, Matt Taylor on a permanent was a, was a big thing for us. You know, um, he's a, he's a local lad. He played for us as a youngster, and I, I, you know, he, he he's what we need as a, as a, just a goal scorer. I think there's a couple of places we could do with strengthening. Um, probably down the left side, we need some cover. And um, Josh Ruffles, who's the left back, got injured on Saturday. So a bit, bit sort of um, sort of weak there, and and I think a, a sort of a left winger, quick, quick, pacey left winger um, is something we perhaps need. Um, but we've we've signed um, Sam Winnell this week or earlier this week or last week, um, who's who's a bit of experience up front because proven with, uh, Jamie, yeah. yeah, Jamie Mackey retiring. He he was yeah. that kind of player that you'd bring on and he'd annoy centre halves for fifteen minutes at the end of the game, but he he kind of wind the clock down and it. I think Sam Winnell's one of those, another one of those players with a bit of experience that, that if he, you know, if he needs to come on or start games, there's, there's no sort of worry that he's he's going to struggle or be a little bit out of his depth. He, he, he's a player at this level that that will score a lot of goals. I hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been linked to us a couple of times, and I, I mean, it's not someone that, that warms your cockles and gets you mad excited. But it's League One. He's someone who's going to yeah. do a job for you, much like mm. like Mackey did last season. Um, he can't be as good as TikTok though, as, as, uh, <laughs> as <laughs> nice Jimmy Mackey was last year. Um, I very rarely like talking about um, something on the preview podcast because mainly it's to get an idea of what's going on at your club and, and get a feel of you know who we're coming up against on on Saturday. But there's, there's something we share in common, um, and I'm very very curious <laughs> to see what the thoughts are. I think the long story short is the relationship with Stuart Donald and definitely with Charlie Methven has has fallen to pieces mm-hmm. um, from doing podcasts and being all over the shop and and, and being very vocal and um, since we didn't get promoted in the first season, I'll, let's just say cracks have appeared for numerous different reasons, but they're both widely known as big, massive Oxford fans and have been involved yeah. in, in part with Oxford. You've probably seen Sunderland until I die. Unfortunately, you might have seen my ugly mug in it for about four minutes at some point. But um, I'm very curious as to what Oxford fans think of Stuart and Charlie and, and how you perceive them maybe now and also when they were involved with yeah. your club. I mean, I think there's there's perhaps they're seen as quite different characters. Although they are very different characters, and yeah. and, and 
you know, Stuart is somebody who's who's been very supportive of the club. Charlie's been involved, um, you know, as a supporter around the club for a long time as well. Um, and it, it's interesting, obviously, Charlie's background is, is in PR and it's something, you know, the marketing and stuff that went on at, at Sunderland, you know, um, got quite a lot of the headlines and, and that sort of stuff. And it's, it's something we've, we've talked about, you know, on, on the podcast that I do. Not Nothing to do with Charlie, more more sort of the marketing and, and around the club and how if if stuff's going well on the field, marketing it is is relatively straightforward because, yeah. you know, you, you could do, you know, a, a brilliant marketing plan with some great ideas. But if the team aren't winning, it, it just doesn't work. And I think there's there's a there's a risk that the results or, or how the marketing is is sort of perceived relies so heavily on how the club are doing. And and that's something that obviously didn't happen and didn't work for Sunderland. You know, you, some some big name signings and a, 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 you know it was talked up. Certainly, Charlie talked it up and talked about hundred point seasons and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, well, no, don't yeah, don't talk about it. Do it. Don't you know? Don't say how wonderful it's going to be. You know, hold your council, get out there, start winning games, then get on the back of that and say, look, we're winning games. We're doing everything we can as a club. Come and support us. Not yeah. not the other way around. It shouldn't be the other way around. You know, the, the team drives that that kind of it, it, it builds such a, a positive atmosphere around the club and if, if you're if you're not successful and you're saying all sorts of stuff then it really doesn't work and then yeah I think yeah, Charlie's upset a lot of people on on our fans forum you know sort of um, I, yeah I, <laughs> I'm sure we'll see him at Oxford and, and Stuart as well you know and they're, they're fans of the club so they'll they'll you know as and when an ownership of their ownership of Sunderland kind of ends because it will like every ownership ends at some point, sure. you know, they, they'll be back at uh, Oxford watching us, but um, no happy with, with the, with the ownership we've got at the moment, you know, Stuart and Charlie on, on a couple of occasions, nearly sort of bought into the club, you know, Stuart's money, that kind of thing. And, and, and it didn't happen. And a lot of fans because they were, they were fans were, well, why have we got the other guys in, you know, we should be getting those in. But, you know, if you look back at, who with um with Daryl Eels and, and Mark Ashton buying into the club and bringing and bringing Michael Appleton in that was a success you know they we they came in in league two we're now in league one we had a couple of good cup runs and the JPT with them and now with Tiger and the and the, the money that's behind him the sort of Indonesian money we're we're taking a step from being a sort of middling league one club to good cup runs well well run good business model and pushing towards the top end of league one. So it's kind of, well, the, those results speak for themselves. You know, we I think we, we're doing pretty well with the ownership we've got. And and I think there's always a risk as a, as a, a fan owning a club, you perhaps make decisions with the heart rather than the head. And that's not always the right way of doing it. If you've watched uh, the episode when we signed Will Grigg, you'll see that Stuart definitely lets his, his heart rule his head and obviously his yeah. bank balance. Um, it's funny you mentioned about Charlie, how he's upset some fans in, in, your fan, in your fan base because there is a theory, and I live outside of Sunderland these days, and I've heard a lot of theories of going, oh, you just didn't like him because he's a Etonite Southerner telling you how to run a Northern football club. So it's interesting that, you know, in an area where there might be a few Etonites that support your club and a few people that are definitely from the South, um, he still managed to upset people, do you know what I mean? With a very yeah. different mindset. So it's, 
maybe maybe it's not all Sunderland fans are that bad after all, and we're actually nice people. Um, well, it's funny. I think somebody looked at. I think we're one of one of the only football clubs that's in a, an area that's both Labour and Remain voting. You know, in, in, in Brexit terms, it's. I think there's often a, a perception of Oxford as you know posh Southerners. You know, all wearing tweed and that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> but which which we've kind of taken. I, we haven't done it for a few years, but there was a, a there used to be a Tweed Army away day where everyone dressed in tweed for an away game. You know, but but um, you know it, it's 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 a working class city. You know, it, it, yes, there's there's the, the university, but there's there's what's known as town and gown, where the town is the you know the people that live there. And, Work. We've got a car factory. You know, it, it's it is a working class, and very much certainly East Oxford, where the ground is, very much a Labour stronghold. Um, you know, and then you've got the gown, which is the you know the centre of the city and the and the beautiful buildings. But you know, the, the two muddle along, and I think without the university, we we'd be a, a you know a, a town that or a city that not many people would have heard about really. You know, yeah. the, the the university is very much what the city is about. And, and we we realise that, but the fan base is very much drawn from. It's a county town as well, a county club. You know, there's lots of um, towns. Myself, I'm sort of about ten or twelve miles east of, of Oxford, but sort of Abingdon and, and Banbury and Bicester and Whitney and places like that. You know, it, it, the support is drawn from all around the county. Um, yeah. So it, it's yeah. There's 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 a few sort of Charlies at our ground, at our, you know, and our fan base as well, but not not as many as you think. I love how you said a few Charlies, but like everyone yeah. has this visualization <laughs> of exactly what you mean immediately. Um, yeah. I mean, it potentially makes a bit more sense and why it's upset people because I think it's Charlie. With all due respect, will say what he thinks, but sometimes what he thinks just isn't what anyone else thinks. But no. nonetheless. One man that we both love and we've discussed numerous times that has a connection to both of us. Um, I feel like I know the answer to this, but <laughs> which player are you going to be looking out for on Saturday and which one worries you? I know the answer. I just have yeah, to ask the question. Well, Chris Maguire, I think he, he's, he's one of those players that, that we like. He, he, he cemented himself in, in our affections with games against Swindon. And they're obviously our big rival, you know, you've got your own rivalries but, but he he not only played well in those games but deliberately wound up their players and you know there's a there's a great game a great photograph of, of him after a game we've won away at their place where uh he's doing the sort of the, the rubbing the eyes kind of crying thing at one of their players he was a bit upset and it's it's kind of he he's his his sort of performances in those games over over a sort of eighteen month period really you know made made us love him and he's he's he is one to watch because regardless of how he might be playing in a season he you know he's he's got the ability with a free yeah. kick or or a turn to to just do something special so yeah he, he will be one we'll be we'll be watching him for for both reasons one because it's chris mcguire and we you know we love him and, and one because actually he, he could win the game for you yeah you know what i, I think i echo exactly the same with chris mcguire he came to us from Berry, obviously and i've got to be honest we were all a bit like free transfer from Berry, or bloody hell we really are mm-hmm. one but with chris mcguire the past especially the past sort of six months 
um, of football, not so much the last six months because that's been COVID-related. Yeah. Uh, he's dragged us out of the shit so often. And he dragged us out of the shit again on Saturday. Um, and to be honest, the first sort of 60 minutes, he misplaced about seven or eight passes, and you thought, what's he on today? But then he pops mm. up and bangs one in, and he's got... It, I find it very strange that Chris McGuire has never had that much of a successful championship career because he is, to me, he would no problem fit into a championship team. Lower end, I'm not yeah. saying he'd, you know, he'd be yeah. like a, a league winner, but he'd be one player I'd like to, to take on board. But the reason we all love him is because he's a grade A shithouse and we all know that. That's yeah. the best thing about him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to kind of finish off, I always ask, but um, I suppose we've got to go for predictions time. Um, I'll, I'll give mine first because I never normally do that. I'm going to go with, and it'll probably not surprise you, but 1-1. One, one. I was thinking, before you said that, I was thinking I'd settle for 1-1. One, one, and it seems to be, you know, the, the, the default result between yeah. our teams. Um, and based on what we did Saturday, I, I think that would be a good result for us at the moment. Let's get a point on the board and, and move on from there. But yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a tough game. It's, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a good game. Yeah, no, absolutely. We've got a really tough run in. We've got yourselves away. We've got Peterborough coming up. So we've got games against teams that we expect to be there or thereabouts. So I think probably with you losing on Saturday, with us drawing a game that we should be looking to win on Saturday, we're probably both looking to it as a to set a market down. But because we're both looking to set a market down, that's why it's going to be one-one written all over it. Isn't it? Yeah. And we, <laughs> Happy in the long, happy in a way, but then unhappy in another mm. way. But um, but Sai, always got to catch up as always. Thanks for coming on and giving us a lowdown. I hope you don't have a good Saturday. I've got to be honest, because um, obviously <laughs> yeah, you're our team. Same, but, same with you. <laughs> yeah, no, but I've got to take it back. But um, absolutely, yeah. mate. But appreciate you coming on, and, and thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me on. Good luck. No Cheers. problem.